0: Chapter Thirteen of The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties by Fanny Burney. Chapter Thirteen. The presage of Harley proved as just as it was pleasant. The heart of Ellis bounded with delight as she drove off from the house and the hope of transferring to lady aurora the obligation for succour which she was now compelled to owe to mrs maple seemed almost lifting her from earth to heaven her fondest wishes were exceeded by her reception mrs howell came forward to meet her and to beg permission not to order the carriage for her return till late at night she was then conducted to the apartment of lady aurora by lord melbury who assured her that his sister would have rejoiced in a far severer indisposition which had procured her such a gratification. Lady Aurora welcomed her with an air of so much goodness, and with looks so soft, so pleased, so partial, that Ellis, in taking her held-out hand, overpowered by so sudden a transition from indignity to kindness, and agitated by the apprehensions that were attached to the hopes which it inspired, burst into tears and in defiance of her utmost struggles for serenity wept even with violence lady aurora shocked and alarmed asked for her salts and lord melbury flew for a glass of water but ellis declining both and reviving without either wiped though she could not dry her eyes and smiled while they still glistened with such grateful sensibility yet beaming happiness, that both the brother and the sister soon saw, that, greatly as she was affected, nothing was wanting to her restoration. "'It is not sorrow,' she cried, when able to speak, "'tis your goodness, your kindness, which thus touch me.' "'Can you ever have met with anything else?' said Lord Melbury, warmly. "'If you can, by what monsters you must have been beset.' "'No, my lord, no.' cried she, I am far from meaning to complain, but you must not suppose the world made up of Lady Aurora Granville's. Lady Aurora was much moved. It seemed evident to her that her new favorite was not happy, and she had conceived such high ideas of her perfections that she was ready to weep herself at the bare suggestion that they were not recompensed by Felicity. The rest of the morning passed in gentle but interesting conversation between the two young females, or in animated theatrical discussions, strictures, and declamation, with the young peer. At dinner they joined Mrs. Howell, who was charmed to see her young guests thus delighted, and could not refuse her consent to a petition of Lady Aurora that she would invite Miss Ellis to assist her again the next day to nurse her cold with the same prudence. The expressive eyes of Alice spoke enchantment. They parted, therefore, only for the night. But just before the carriage was driven from the door, the coachman discovered that an accident had happened to one of the wheels, which could not be rectified till the next morning. After some deliberation, Mrs. Howell, at Lady Aurora's earnest desire, sent over a groom, with a note to Mrs. Maple informing her of the circumstances and begging that she would not expect miss ellis till the following evening the tears of ellis at happiness so unlooked for were again ready to flow and with difficulty restrained she wrote a few words to eleanor entreating her kind assistance in searching a packet of some things necessary for this new plan and eleanor took care to provide her with materials for remaining a month rather than a day A chamber was now prepared for Ellis, in which nothing was omitted that could afford either comfort or elegance. Yet, from the fullness of her mind, she could not, even for a moment, close her eyes when she retired. Some drawback, however, to her happiness was experienced the next morning, when she found Mrs. Howell, fearful that the cold of Lady Aurora, menaced terminating in a violent cough. Dr. P. was immediately called in and his principal prescription was that her ladyship should avoid hot rooms dancing company and talking mrs howell easily made anxious for lady aurora not only from personal attachment but from the responsibility of having her in charge besought her ladyship to give up the play for that night an assembly for the following day and to permit that the intended ball of thursday should be postponed till her ladyship should be perfectly recovered Lady Aurora, with a grace that accompanied all her actions, unhesitatingly complied, but inquired whether it would not be possible to persuade Miss Ellis to remain with them during this confinement. Mrs. Howell repeated the request. The delight of Ellis was too deep for utterance. Joy of this tender sort always flung her into tears. And Lady Aurora, who saw that her heart was as oppressed as it was gentle, besought mrs howell to write their desire to lose mrs maple however enraged and perplexed had no choice how to act without betraying the imposition which she had herself practised and therefore offered no opposition alice now enjoyed a happiness before which all her difficulties and disappointments seemed to sink forgotten or but to be remembered as evils overpaid So forcible was the effect upon her mind, of the contrast of her immediate situation, with that so recently quitted. Mrs. Howell was all politeness to her, Lord Melbury appeared to have no study but whether to show her most admiration or respect, and Lady Aurora behaved to her with a sweetness that went straight to her heart. It was now that they first became acquainted with her uncommon musical talents. Lady Aurora had a pianoforte in her room, and Mrs. Howell said, that if Miss Ellis could play her ladyship an air or two, it might help to amuse, yet keep her silent. Ellis instantly went to the instrument, and there performed, in so fine a style, a composition of Haydn, that Mrs. Howell, who, though by no means a scientific judge of music, was sufficiently in the habit of going to concerts, to have acquired the skill of discriminating excellence from mediocrity, was struck with wonder, and congratulated both her young guest and herself in so seasonable an acquisition of so accomplished a visitor. Lord Melbury, who was himself a tolerable proficient upon the violoncello, was enraptured at the discovery, and Lady Aurora, whose whole soul was music, felt almost dissolved with tender pleasure. Nor ended here either their surprise, or their satisfaction. They soon learnt that she played also upon the harp. Lord Melbury instantly went forth in search of one, and it was then, as this was the instrument which she had most particularly studied, that Ellis completed her conquest of their admiration. For with the harp she was prevailed upon to sing, and the sweetness of her voice— The delicacy of its tones, her taste and expression, in which her soul seemed to harmonize with her accents, had an effect so delightful upon her auditors, that Mrs. Howell could scarcely find phrases for the compliments which she thought merited. Lord Melbury burst into the most rapturous applause, and Lady Aurora was enchanted, was fascinated, she caught the sweet sounds with almost ecstatic attention, hung on them with the most melting tenderness entreated to hear the same air again and again, and felt a gratitude for the delight which she received, that was hardly inferior to that which her approbation bestowed. Eager to improve these favorable sensations, Ellis, to vary the amusements of Lady Aurora, in this interval of retirement, proposed reading. And here again her powers gave the utmost pleasure, whether she took a French author, or an English one, the accomplished Bolo, or the penetrating Pope, the tenderly refined Racine, or the all-pervading Shakespeare, her tones, her intelligence, her skilful modulations, gave force and meaning to every word, and proved alike her understanding and her feeling. Brilliant, however, as were her talents, all the success which they obtained was short of that produced by her manners and conversation in the former there was a gentleness in the latter a spirit that excited an interest for her in the whole house but while generally engaging to all by her general merit to lady aurora she had peculiar attractions from the excess of sensibility with which she received even the smallest attentions she seemed impressed with a gratitude that struggled for words without the power of obtaining such as could satisfy it Pleasure shone lustrous in her fine eyes, every time that they met those of Lady Aurora. But if that young lady took her hand, or spoke to her with more than usual softness, tears, which she vainly strove to hide, rolled fast down her cheeks, but which, though momentarily overpowering, were no sooner dispersed than every feature became reanimated with glowing vivacity yet that some latent sorrow hung upon her mind lady aurora soon felt convinced and that some solicitude or suspense oppressed her spirits was equally evident she was constantly watchful for the post and always startled at sight of a letter lady aurora was too delicate to endeavour to develop the secret cause of this uneasiness but the good breeding which repressed the manifestation of curiosity made the interest thus excited, sink so much the deeper into her mind, and, in a short time, her every feeling and almost every thought were absorbed in tender commiseration for unknown distress, which she firmly believed to be undeserved, and which, however nobly supported, seemed too poignant for constant suppression. Lady Aurora, who had just reached her sixteenth year, was now budding into life with equal loveliness of mind and person. She was fair, but pale, with elegant features, a face perfectly oval, and soft expressive blue eyes, of which the liquid lustre spoke a heart that was the seat of sensibility, yet not of that weak romantic cast, formed by early and futile lovesick reading, either in novels or poems, but of compassionate feeling for woes which she did not suffer and of anxious solicitude to lessen distress by kind offices and affliction by tender sympathy with a character thus innately virtuous joined to a disposition the most amiably affectionate so attractive a young creature as the incognita could not fail to be in unison without half her powers of pleasing the most perfect good-will of lady aurora would have been won by the mere surmise that she was not happy But when, to an idea so affecting to her gentle mind, were added the quick intelligence, the graceful manners, the touching sense of kindness, and the rare accomplishments of Ellis, so warm an interest was kindled in the generous bosom of Lady Aurora, that the desire to serve and to give comfort to her new favourite, became, in a short time, indispensable to her own peace. Mrs. Howell, the lady with whom she was at present a guest, possessed none of the endearing qualities which could catch the affections of a mind of so delicate a texture as that of Lady Aurora. She was well-bred, well-born, and not ill-educated, but her heart was cold, her manners were stiff, her opinions were austere, and her resolutions were immovable. Yet this character, with the general esteem in which— unimpeachable conduct she was held by the world, was the inducement which led her cousin, Lord Dunmeath, the uncle and guardian of Lady Aurora, to fix upon her as a proper person for taking his ward into public. The tender and facile nature of that young lady, demanding, he thought, all the guard which the firmness of Mrs. Howell could afford. Lord Melbury was two years the senior of Lady Aurora. Unassuming from his rank, and unspoiled by early independence, he was open, generous, kind-hearted, and sincere. And though from the ardor of juvenile freedom, and the credulity of youth, he was easily led astray, an instinctive love of right, and the acute self-reproaches which followed his least deviations, were conscious, and rarely erring guarantees, that his riper years would be happy in the wisdom of goodness. In a house such as this, loved and compassionated by Lady Aurora, admired by Lord Melbury, and esteemed by Mrs. Howell, what felicity was enjoyed by its new guest! Her suspenses and difficulties, though never forgotten, were rather gratefully than patiently endured. And she felt as if she could scarcely desire their termination, if it should part her from such heart-soothing society. Smoothly thus glided the hours, till nearly a fortnight elapsed, Lady Aurora, though recovered, saying that she preferred this gentle social life to the gayer or more splendid scenes offered to her abroad. Yet neither with gaiety nor splendour had she quarrelled. It was Ellis, whom she could not bear to quit, Ellis, whose attractions and sweetness charmed her heart, and whose secret disturbance occupied all her thoughts. The admiration of Lord Melbury was wrought still higher, yet the constant respect attending it satisfied Mrs. Howell, who would else have been alarmed, that his chief delight was derived from seeing that his sister, whom he adored, had a companion so peculiarly to her taste. Severely, however, Mrs. Howell watched and investigated every look, every speech, every turn of the head of Ellis, with regard to this young nobleman well aware that, as he was younger than herself, though her beauty was in its prime, his safety might depend, more rationally, upon her own views, or her own honour, than upon his prudence or indifference. But all that she observed tended to raise Ellis yet more highly in her esteem. The behaviour of that young person was open, pleasing, good-humoured, and unaffected. It was evident that she wished to be thought well of by Lord Melbury but it appeared to be equally evident that she honourably deserved his good opinion. Her desire to give him pleasure was unmixed with any species of coquetry. It was as wide from the dangerous toil of tender languor as from the fascinating snares of alluring playfulness. The whole of her demeanour had a decorum, and of her conduct a correctness, as striking to the taste of Mrs. Howell as her conversation, her accomplishments, and her sentiments were, to that of the youthful brother and sister. Mrs. Howell often begged Lady Aurora to remark, that this was the only young lady whom she had ever invited to her house upon so short an acquaintance. Nor should she, even to oblige her ladyship, have made this exception to her established rules, but that she knew Mrs. Maple to be scrupulosity itself with respect to the female friends, whose intimacy she sanctioned with her nieces. It was well known, indeed, she observed, that Mrs. Maple was forced to be more exact in these points, on account of the extraordinary liberties taken by the eldest Miss Joddrel, who, being now entirely independent, frequently flung off the authority of her aunt, and did things so strange, and saw people so singular that she continually distressed Mrs. Maple. Miss Ellis, therefore, having been brought back to her native land by one so nice in these matters, must certainly be a young lady of good family, though there seemed reason to apprehend that she was an orphan, and that she possessed little or no portion, by her never naming her friends, nor her station, notwithstanding they were subjects to which Mrs. Howell often tried to lead." End of chapter 13. Recording by Roxana Nazari.